There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. We've been doing a study in the evening on the tabernacle. I cannot tell you exactly how many messages it's been, but I know it's been very fulfilling. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus and the life of a believer. And last week we talked about some coverings, how that this framework that we talked about the week before was covered with several different coverings. And now, I, what I want to do now is to begin to take us into the tabernacle proper. Now, in order to do that, you'll have to go through a first opening. Now, I want to save that for when we talk about the veil. So I'll combine those two together. So I'm not, I'm not leaving everything out. Now, listen, there's a lot to the tabernacle, and there's a lot of it that I will not focus in on, but I want to kind of keep it realistic. We've gotten off our imaginary plane, and we're taking a tour through this thing. And so we go through an initial door into the tabernacle, and we've entered into the holy place, all right? This is the first chamber inside there. And when we go into that place, there are three articles of furniture. There is a candlestick or a lampstand. There is a table of uh, an altar of incense. And that will be directly in front of you. To the left will be the candlestick. To the right will be what we'll talk about tonight, the table of showbread. The table of showbread. So Exodus chapter number 25. Let's all stand on a reverence to God's word. Exodus 25. And look at verse number 23. And thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof. And a cubit the breadth thereof. And a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. And make thereunto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown of a border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold. And put the rings in the four corners that there are on the feet thereof. Over against the border shalt thou shalt the rings be for places for of the staves to bear the table, and thou shalt make uh, uh, the staves of shittim wood overlaid them with gold that the table may be borne with them, and thou shalt make the dishes thereof, the spoons thereof, the covers thereof, the bowls thereof, and a cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you about the table of showbread. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. 
God, we have come as the people of God singing your praises. God, we haven't been singing just to take up time, to take up space, Father. We have been worshiping you and offering you the sacrifice of our voices in praise. Father, we've come now to the next element of worship, which is the preaching of your word. And I pray as we look at this passage of scripture, I pray that the illumination of the Spirit of God. God, we are an ignorant people. God, we are a people that cannot understand your word apart from the divine moving of God in our life. So I pray that our teacher, the Holy Spirit, would take the word of God and begin to instruct us in the way of God. God, we've come to a very important piece of furniture in the tabernacle. An important piece in its picture of the Lord Jesus and what it means to us as a believer. Father, I pray that you'd help me make application where application is due. Help me point to the Lord Jesus and how we need Him and how we need fellowship with God and how we need the nourishment of God. Oh, God, make application as we preach your word and we'll give you all the glory and praise for it. God, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. When I think of a family sitting down to eat a dinner together, I don't know what pops in your mind. I don't know. The first thing in my mind that pops in is the picture of the Waltons. You know, you, you remember, a lot of you young kids don't remember the Waltons. I love the Waltons. That was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I watched a lot of reruns of it. But that big old family would sit around on that long table and they'd all clasp hands and they'll, they'd say the blessing and eat their food together. I think of that. Think of that little house on the prairie. All that little bitty family around that little table. They're all together assembled to eat their dinner together. In, uh, in today's fast-paced society, though, eating together at the table is going the way of the dodo. I mean, listen, with or, or that means becoming extinct. I have to explain myself. I use that phrase a lot, and people say, huh, what are you talking about? It means going extinct. You see, in this fast-paced society with its soccer practice, piano lessons, a crazy work schedules, who can actually sit down at a table and eat a dinner together? Well, actually, more and more people are, more and more families are making time, making time, making an effort to sit down at a table and eating a dinner with the whole family because the statistics are in. Do you realize that there's a statistics that indicate that sitting down with a family with the television off at the table is beneficial to the entire family? It's beneficial in a number of ways, one of which is nutrition. Uh, A family that uh, tends to eat together at the table tends to eat right, tends to eat better than those that just catch a meal wherever they can. And also, not only physically or nutritionally, but uh, healthy in their lifestyle. There's actually statistics that correspond that tells us that those that sit down at a table have better chance of avoiding drug abuse and premarital sex because they have sat down at the table and ate together. The uh, The family table is in. It needs to be a part in your life. I've been uh, uh, doing some premarital counseling and trying to enforce the fact that they need to sit down and eat together as a family because it's important. It's important for all of our families to sit down and eat together at the table. Here in the tabernacle proper, there is a table. 
A table that, like the family table, can have a profound effect on our relationship with God. You see, in type and shadow, I want you to see three aspects of the table that will enable us to live a healthy and satisfying Christian life. So there's three aspects of this table that we'll glean from it and then we'll leave. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the pleasure at the table. The pleasure at the table. The table is a place of pleasure. A place of enjoyment. A place of fellowship. If you want to get to know someone, how many times have you seen a family member or met a new friend and you'll say, well, we need to have you guys over to what? To eat dinner. To sit at a table. It's a way to be to fellowship one with another. To get to know one another. A good time together usually, usually indicates that we're sitting down at a table eating a meal together. I remember when I first came to Gethsemane Baptist Church over, over three years ago and how that those Sunday nights together in the gym seemed to be a glue that held this congregation together. Helped to see you through some very difficult times. That sitting down together at a table. Well, listen, in our spiritual lives, there needs to be that time where we sit together with the Lord Jesus and just enjoy the pleasure of the fellowship with God. And that's what this table of showbread speaks to us about. Notice, first of all, I want you to see the pleasure of fatherly fellowship. Now, this table of fellowship was made possible by the shittim wood encased in gold. You read about it as we read in the making of it in verse number 23. talks about this shittim wood. And we're no stranger to that. It's that hard indigenous wood of the desert that was planed and straightened and used to make make most of the articles in the tabernacle. How that it was encased in gold. How it was overlaid in gold. I've All this time I've been trying to picture exactly what that looks like. But I bet it was brilliant. I bet it was beautiful to see. But we've seen time and time again how that this shittim wood overlaid with gold is a type and picture of the person of Jesus Christ. His deity combined with His humanity. You see, they were both part and parcel. One preacher said this, He was just as much God as if He had not been man. He was just as much man as if He had not been God. He was the God-man. He was God sent in the flesh to dwell among men. 24 through 25, look at that. That thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make therein too. Notice what it said. A crown round about it. And then thou shalt put a border of an handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof around about. And thou shalt make the four rings. Notice there's some ornate portions here. There's some pieces uh, that are ornamental on this table. It talks about a crown. Notice it talked about it in in this uh, verse 25, a golden crown. A crown speaks of royalty. A crown speaks of majesty. You see, this is a table. Have you ever heard somebody look at a big table of food and say, man, this is a feast fit for a king? Well, this is a table fit for a king. It's the king's table. It's God's table that we are invited to. A table fit for a king. 
I think about the story of David and Mephibosheth. Do you remember that story? How that David had a, had a love for Jonathan. Jonathan had one son who was lame from a very young age. And David sent from that man named Mephibosheth and brought him before him. In that passage of scripture where the Mephibosheth comes before the king, David says, I believe it's four times, he said, he shall eat at my table continually. He shall eat at my table continually. Praise God, we who are undeserving by the grace of God are invited to a table of a king, a table of plenty, a table of fellowship and nourishment. You see, this is a picture of salvation. It is a picture of being invited to the king's table. You see, we find that it's not only a picture of salvation, but a picture of security. Now notice what it said in verse number 25. And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth roundabout. I believe everybody's been passed out. This uh, illustration, that's not an exact. No one really knows for sure exactly what it looks like. But we think that this, and if you'll notice, we think this is a pretty good representation. If you'll notice around the top of that table, it looks like there's a guardrail, uh, a piece that sticks out that makes the table set down in. It is a place, and they, this, is that, uh, this is that border of a handbreadth roundabout. And so we see this border that keep, and this border, it is to keep the pieces of bread from falling off the table. You see, this bread, this table is going to be used, and, and we read in our text how that the bread was set before the Lord on this table. And so this border is to keep the bread on the table. It said it was a handbreadth. I don't know, average handbreadth. I'm not real sure if it means from the end of the pinky to the thumb. Some I, some authors indicate that that it may be that wide. Can you imagine some hands bigger than others? But that looks about maybe six, eight inches uh, uh, at a minimum. And how did it have this large crown that fit all the way around this table? Seems to say that God is indicating He didn't want that bread to go nowhere. There was no chance of that bread ever falling off the table. You see, this is a picture not of salvation, but of security. Oh, many people wrestle with the issue of eternal security, the security of the believer. I believe the table of showbread itself indicates that God plans for us to be a secured, a procured people. John 10, 28 and 29, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my, my Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man can play, is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus is describing a double security. He said, they're in my hand, and my hand is in the Father. If Satan's going to get through that, he's going to have to come through some rough stuff to get to you and I. Just like that bread is going to have a hard time ever, ever, ever getting off that table. You see, God intends for What a pleasure to be invited to the table. To find a place of security. To find a place of welcome in the presence of God. To fellowship with Him. You're invited. Oh, listen. That is a picture of the pleasure of fatherly fellowship. But I want you to see also, I want you to see the pleasure of family Fellowship. Look at verse number 30. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Now we'll be turning to Leviticus here in a moment. 
But these tables of this, this bread, this show bread that's placed there is in two separate stacks. The Bible calls them rows, but it's more of stacks on top of one another. And six on one side and six on the other representing what? The 12 tribes of Israel. Every one of them had a place on the table. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Listen to what Apostle Paul said. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Paul said that we're one bread, one body, all resting on the finished work and the person of Jesus Christ. These loaves of bread were in two stacks of six on that table. And it pictures the unity of believers. Now, I know many churches that you go into, unity is not always prevalent in many churches. But the picture is that in Christ, we are all together as one. Ephesians 1.6 says that we are accepted in the Beloved. Just as every tribe of Israel is represented in those cakes, in those, uh, in those pieces of bread on that table, in those loaves, so every believer is represented in Jesus Christ. You know, we all have access to God. We all have access to the fellowship with God. You think about them cakes. You know, little Benjamin, the youngest of the tribes, had just as much of a place on the table of showbread as the mighty Judah did. Every one of them had a place before God in fellowship. Every one of them had a place on that table. Every one of them was represented in that bread. You see, you're more than welcome to come to me and have me pray for you, and I will, and I do. I take your needs to the Lord, and I pray for you. To be honest, I'm not your priest. You can go yourself. You're invited on the table. You're on the table. You're there before God in the person of Jesus Christ standing on His finished work on the cross. You have access to the Father. You have fellowship with Him. You can come unto the Lord. This is a family fellowship that we have. So that's the pleasure of the table. Oh, Many people don't like their Thanksgiving dinner. I tend to do from house to house, being with the whole family. Isn't it good to sit down and eat that Thanksgiving meal with your extended family? Maybe your children and grandchildren and all of your extended family, brothers and sisters there at the table. What a joy that is. You realize that every time we come into this house, that we're coming to the table. That every one of us are represented in the person of Jesus. That every one of us have access to Him by virtue of His finished work. Oh, what a pleasure it is to come to the table. Now, second of all, not only the pleasure at the table, but I want you to see the principle of the table. One of the reasons that eating at the table, at the family table, is so good for our children is because of the interaction. It's not the fact that you just sit down together because you get a couple of family members across from one another table. Next thing you know, unless the cooking is really good, somebody's going to be talking. (laughs) I know in my house the cooking is really good, but I got some chatterboxes at the table. 
and we'll all we'll all begin to talk and 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 actually being at the table is a good place of learning a good place of disseminating information of teaching teaching principles of life principles of family principles in the things of God a place of learning life principles. And I believe this table has some of those principles to teach us. We can learn some things from this bread. I want to take your Bible and go to Leviticus chapter number 24. Hold your place there in Exodus 26. Go to Leviticus chapter number 24. In Leviticus chapter number 24 and verse number 5, we have God giving the recipe or giving the plans for the bread to be made. In Leviticus chapter number 24, and look at verse number 5. Now thou shalt take fine flour, and bake twelve cakes thereof, two tenth deals shall be in one cake, and thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, Put the pure ta- uh, on the pure table before the Lord. You see, now anytime you read in the Old Testament about bread, I immediately run to Jesus. Wasn't it in John chapter number 6, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the bread of life. It did he? I am the one sent from heaven. I am the bread sent from heaven. Jesus fed those 5,000, had 12 baskets left over, and it goes on to say that He is the bread of life. You see, this bread here teaches us about the person of Jesus. You say the bread represents uh, Israel. Yes, it does, every one of the tribes. But that bread as a whole is the person of Jesus. You see, we don't represent ourselves to God. We are represented by Him. By our Savior, not in and of ourselves. And so Jesus is the bread of life. This bread teaches us about His person. You realize that Jesus made the comparison that He is the manna sent from heaven that saves. You remember when God sent manna on the ground? What was happening? His people were starving. They had nothing to eat. God sent this manna down every day so that His people might be spared the death of hunger. But the but the bread in the showbread, the bread on the table of showbread before the Lord, it is, a, it is a bread that not just saves, it satisfies. Satisfies. It's over and beyond that of the minimum. Of the minimum. Everybody, everybody got to go out and get the showbread. Or, or not the showbread. Everybody got to go out and get the manna. It was all over the ground. People picked it up every day. But that showbread was special. That showbread was a nourishment that wasn't given to everyone. It was a place of, of, of unique fellowship, a unique sustenance. Jesus is the showbread that satisfied. Notice in verse number 5, He said, Thou shalt take fine flour. Fine flour is a picture of the perfect life of the Lord Jesus. His perfect righteousness. You see, this this flower was to have no roughness, no coarseness, no lumps in it. I used to love when I was a kid when mom would make fried chicken. She'd make this plate and it'd have flour all over it. And she'd roll that chicken in there and put it. I like to put my hand down in that flour and make that bread because it was so soft. 
It was so smooth. That was the type of flour that had to be used to make this cake. Had to be perfect. Had to be spotless. Oh, our scriptures tell us that he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. He did no sin, neither, than, neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus himself said, who convinces me of sin? And then we find that that, uh, that, that flour, it had to be baked. In order to have, listen, you can't have bread just with flour. You have to mix it with a little bit of water and, and you put, uh, put it together. And then what do you do? You have to put it in the oven. Oh, listen, that dough don't taste too hot. You got to put it in the oven. You got to bake it. You got to put it through the fire in order for it to be a cake, in order to be, uh, to be that bread. You see, it is another picture of the life of the Lord Jesus. Not only did He live a spotless life, but He went through the fires of Calvary's, of Calvary's judgment on, on the cross, of God's judgment on the cross. He went through the fires and the tribulation of Calvary, the, the burning heat of suffering and pain on Calvary's cross. You see, we see that He took the fires of God's wrath so that we might have life. He was crushed and broken on Calvary. He was placed in the fiery wrath of God so that we could have sustenance, so that we could have life. He was placed under that wrath. And then also, look in verse number 7. And thou shalt put frankincense upon each row. Frankincense. You recall how that Mary Magdalene and some of the other women, how that they were going down to that tomb on that first day of the week and how that they were going to apply the spices which very well uh, they had a frankincense, a spice used to anoint the body. Oh, I believe this frankincense echoes of that great third day where Jesus rose from the grave. There, in this breath, we have the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ Oh, we have the principle of the preparation of this bread. It is Jesus. It is Jesus Himself. He arose from the grave. He lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death. He rose from the grave in resurrection power. A principle of preparation. Then there's also a principle of presentation. Notice verse number 8. And every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by the everlasting covenant. This, uh, this bread was then presented before the Lord. Hebrews 9.24 tells us, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but in heaven itself, now appearing in the presence of God for us. He appeared before God. He presented Himself before God. What did our text say? That this bread was to be set before the Lord continually. You see Leviticus 24, uh, 7 and 8 here that we read a moment ago. These breads were offered perpetually every sabbath by every sabbath they were renewed before the word the, the lord the word showbread here and i haven't defined it yet the word showbread literally means bread of faces bread of faces 
A bread that represents a people. A bread that in and of itself represents a people of faces. You see, in the person of the Lord Jesus, we are presented before God. Remember how Ephesians chapter 2 says that we're seated in the heavenlies. That we are already presented before the heavenly Father. Righteous, perfect, sinless before Almighty God. The end result is already there before the Father. You see, when God looks at us, He sees us in His Son. We're not seen as we practically are in this life, still filled with sin, still with problems. Oh, but we have been placed in Christ. And now when God sees us, He sees His precious blood. He sees the atonement and He is satisfied. His life is accounted to us. Oh, listen, He was charged with my sin on the cross and His life, His perfection, His righteousness was charged to me at the cross. Uh, And we see that Jesus was presented continually before the Lord. In the the wording of Hebrews 9.24 that we just read a moment ago, it it, it was a face-to-face encounter with Almighty God. Ephesians 1.4, According as He hath chosen us in Him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. You see, I like the. You see, God sees us in the person of His Son as pure and spotless as He. One author said this, and you you probably heard it for heard it before. Dear, so very dear to God, dear we could not be, for in the person of His Son, we're just as dear as He. You know, God loves us. Remember high priestly prayer. That you have loved, Jesus said, praying to the Father, that you have loved them as you have loved me. Oh, what a joy. What a principle. That God loves us as much as His dear Son. He sees us in His own Son. And therefore, His affection for us is no less than His very Son. Oh, that makes me feel so unworthy, doesn't you? That makes me feel so so wonderful, so loved by God that He would love me as much as His own dear Son. We see the principle of the table. We learn something from this bread. We see the pleasure of the table, fellowship with God, fellowship with one another at this table. Finally, I want you to see the provision on this table. Leviticus 24, 9. Look at this verse before we turn back uh, to Exodus 20, Exodus 25. Look at verse number 9. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place. For it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by perpetual statute. Notice the release here. God is saying, You know, my priests, they can eat the bread. My priests can come and they can take and eat of the bread. The priests were permitted to eat the showbread, to get nutrition from it. It was a provision from God for their well-being. I want you to see, first of all, the sufficient provision. 
these loaves on the table are a picture of the sufficiency of Christ. Jesus is sufficient to meet your needs. Example, it it seems that oftentimes I have to remind and to chide and to poke and to prod many folks just to enter the house of God. You got to call them and you got, oh, listen, we miss you so much and we'd love to have you. We're having a special Sunday. We're having a special singer. We're having a special get-together. We're having a special this. We're, We're having a special something. We're having a special meal. We're having something special. And we'd like for you to come. You have to poke and to prod and to work something up and to have some kind of special thing just to get people to come to the table. Oh, but those that see their sufficiency in Jesus... Praise God, all you got to tell me is you're going to be singing about Jesus and I'll be there. You're just going to tell me that somebody's going to be talking about Jesus. Somebody's going to be preaching that word about Jesus. Well, I'll be there. He's my sufficiency. He's what I need. Oh, listen, and it's not only at the church house. Do you realize that every day we're to find our sufficiency in Christ? It's not in our strength. Our sufficiency is not in our workplace. Our sufficiency is not in our paycheck. Our sufficiency is not in our family. Our sufficiency is in knowing and walking with Jesus Christ and following Jesus and loving Him and worshiping Oh, the sufficiency of our Savior. He is sufficient for us. We see a sufficiency in Jesus. Oh, there's plenty of bread on that table. Oh, there's plenty of bread on that table. And then also the satisfaction of that provision. Not only sufficient, there's plenty of it. But the satisfaction of that provision. Remember we talked about in verse number 9, Leviticus 20, uh, 24, how that the priests were allowed to eat the showbread. Legend has it, it's not in your scripture. Handed down to the rabbis. Many of the rabbis say, that one broken piece of that bread as big as a bean would fill a priest completely. (laughs) One small bit of that bread would be plenty enough to go for a long time. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know this. I can have an encounter with Jesus. I can come to that table and He'll give me that little bit of himself he'll let me as the old preachers used to say peek through the lattice and see him in his glory and see him for who he is and I tell you what I'm ready to go for six months I tell you what listen there's been I I probably count on my hand a number of times where I have encountered God in a special way in private worship but I'm going to tell you what it's been most handful of times when God's met with me in a special way that have driven me over these years that drive me back into that word that drive me back into that Bible oh listen there's men in the Bible where God only spoke to them one time but that one time God spoke to them led to a life of complete giving themselves to God he is satisfying in his person it means that no matter, also, this, this uh, table of showbread, we read about how that the poles in, in the Exodus uh, chapter number 25, it talks about these staves that were made. Remember, we saw other articles, the brazen altar had staves where you pick it up. And, and these staves were used uh, to pick up that and to transport it. You know, all this was mobile. All these, buddy, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be the one that carried them boards of the tabernacle around. Man, I'm telling you what, those must have been heavy. 
I wouldn't want to have been the ones to carry them big blocks of silver around. Those were every, But all of it was transportable. Every portion of it had to be carried from one place to the other. And this table of showbread was no different. But you know what this transportation of the showbread means? It means that no matter where they were in the wilderness, there was always something to eat. No matter where they were, oh, no matter how cold and dark the night was, no matter how distant they were away from home, listen, this world is a wilderness. This world is a place where a Christian can starve to death, where a Christian can get hungry. Hey, but thank God, by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, thanks to Jesus Christ, there's always something to eat. There's always something that is satisfying. There's always something that is sufficient for our needs. No wonder the psalmist uh, said in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. One of the other psalmists said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? The table of showbread says, Yes, He can always provide a table in the wilderness. You see, God can satisfy your physical needs. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He can satisfy your emotional needs. Isaiah 26.3 That will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee. He can satisfy your spiritual needs in 1 Peter 2.3 If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious to us. God can meet our needs physically. God can meet our needs spiritually. God can meet our needs emotionally. He is satisfying. Satisfying. My question tonight, are you hungry? Oh, let's talk about bread. I'm ready to go to old Charlie's. and Give me one of them them big hot rolls and put bread all over it. Oh, but listen, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about old Charlie's rolls. I'm talking about the only bread that really genuinely satisfies. Are you meeting with God? Listen, here's a table. There's a table. You know, this part of the, uh, this part of the tabernacle, and the whole tabernacle scene is an intimate portrait of our relationship with God. We've been invited. We've come by the brazen altar. A sacrifice has been given. If we'll come by the Word and cleanse ourselves and wash ourselves and repent of sin, you know what? We're invited to come on inside. We're invited to sit down at that table. You know this table? What's interesting about this table, if you'll remember, it was a cubit and a half tall. What wasn't a high thing. Matter of fact, it probably be about that high off the ground. It wasn't tall at all. That cubit and a half is echoed throughout the whole thing. You know, that brazen altar. You remember that grate where those sacrifices burned? Has a cubit and a half. You know, this table of showbread's a cubit and a half. You know, we'll find out that that Ark of the Covenant was only a cubit and a half. Oh, listen, and that height is a perfect height for somebody to come and kneel. Sit there, you know, uh, the Arabian lifestyle didn't permit a chair and tables like that. No, it was a, it was a lounging. It was a sitting, sitting down on the ground, kneeling down, and we can partake of that table. You know that intimate fellowship you can have every day. You know you can go into that holy, most holy place every day. You know you can see that lamp stand in all the glory of Jesus every day. Through that Bible and through that book and through our relationship with the Lord Jesus, we're invited to a place, a fellowship that this world does not know of. And how many times is our table neglected? There's plenty of food. Fresh baked bread on that 
every day. This Bible never goes stale. This Jesus never goes out of, out of style and out of necessity in our life. We're invited every day to come and feast off of Him. So many times our table goes neglected and we don't take advantage of that fellowship with God, that fellowship with one another, that feasting and nutrition on the Lord Jesus. Are you, have you been attending your table? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? You think about that prodigal son, how he let the life, he gave his life to the, uh, to the profligate lifestyle out there of sin and wickedness and he found himself in a hog trough. He found himself in a place away from God. What did he say? You know, my father has plenty of food. There's plenty of bread at my father's house. I think I'm going to go back to him. He's got a table spread and he's waiting on me. I believe I'll go home. I don't know about you. I believe I'll go home. I believe. What did Jesus say at the end of one of his parables? All things are made ready. There's a table with bread for you every single day. Will you take advantage of it? I tell you what, it would radically change our church, change our mindset, change the spirit of this place. If every one of us started meeting at that table, started cleansing ourselves by the washing of the water, by the word, making our way through that veil, and immediately going to that place of nourishment, it'd change our church. It changes if every day we sought the Lord equally. Oh, sought that fellowship with Jesus. Let's stand as we come with a song of invitation. Elvis, if you'd come. Are you hungry? Maybe you'd like to come tonight to this altar and you say, God, my table has grown dusty. My table, I haven't been to my table in a long time. I've neglected it and my spiritual life bears witness of it. I tell you what, when the, when the, when the veins of sin or the inroads of sin begin making their way into my life, when old habits start to come back, those prides and lusts and things that had stayed defeated so long, I know one thing's true. I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. I haven't been spending that time in prayer. I haven't been at the table. I haven't been at the table. How long has it been since you've been to the table? That you've really feasted on the Lord Jesus, feasted on His Word. Maybe you'd like to come tonight to this altar and, and say, God, I, 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 listen, God, I want to meet with you. I dedicate, rededicate. I come again and say, God, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to dig in your word. I'm going to meet with you in a special way. You may be here tonight and you're lost. You don't know the Lord Jesus. You may have never placed your trust in Jesus. Jesus is the bread that you need. He is the manna from heaven. He is the only thing that will give you life. You come and receive him today. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The unseen hand.